You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the Friday edition. Really excited to be talking to my pals today. Uh, we got a fun one cooked up, and it, there's no way this ends terribly. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not being sarcastic. I really, I, I hope this doesn't end poorly. It's not the gauntlet where there was just like fake pessimism. We're not doing the gauntlet. We're doing something much different. And here to help me do that different thing are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. Hello. Hi, Kit. How are you doing on this fine evening? Or by the time you guys listen to it, the middle of the following day. I wish we were doing the gauntlet right now. I mean, we can make an audible right now. We can just do it off the cuff right now and scrap the rundown that you just spent 42 minutes working on. <laughs> uh, no, because I'm... And I that is why Matt Lane wins the game. Craig, please <laughs> take it away. Yeah, see, that's the way we knew it was going to end anyway. Like, Matt was going to bring the worst ideas to the table, and he was still going to win. Instead, you will be our football nucleus, and we are going to rotate like electrons and give you energy to get you through the rest of the draft. That's a terrible analogy, but I'm going with it anyway. Just cut that. No, I'm not cutting that. (laughs) We are using that. And we are going to present something that is the worst case scenario today. This is this is one of our more fun ones that we get to do before the draft every year. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the doomsday draft. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We are going to look through just just the worst possible scenario, the scenario that would frustrate and infuriate all of us on draft day. Like what would just set us off? What would really frustrate us? What would give us, would make us want to grade the, the draft negatively? Give it a D minus. It'll somehow like, it'll be, it will be on arrow. pride. It'll somehow still be, be a B because everybody's optimistic. Uh, this is what it happens every year. Uh, but speak to we're it. We're going to go speak it, about it. Oh man. I had a lot of people in my mentions that were telling me that Breland Speaks was a good pick and I know nothing. Well, who got the last laugh there? But Kent, uh, but Kent you don't know anything. I think that might have just been coincidence. It was. <laughs> I mean, if we're being if we're being frank here. If we're being frank here. If he I'm was frank, squirrel. this wouldn't have been a biggest problem. <laughs> And Kent, I think you were the nucleus of football knowledge, so don't let Craig speak down on you. Okay, so we're going to lay this whole scenario out for you and just kind of show you like what would upset us. And we're trying to come through the lens of something that the Chiefs realistically might do. Um, 
maybe not the biggest chance. I just would I would call this a non-zero chance of happening. I'm not trying to put words in the Chiefs' mouths or anything like that, but this is what would really make us upset if the Chiefs did something like this, and it's a non-zero chance. So, and just because this happens, there's a lot of scenarios that would have to fall in place for this to be a logical conclusion, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. So we're going to just kind of lay out the first round here. Um, no running backs go. If no running backs go, that could really put the Chiefs in a weird spot. No tight ends uh, outside of Kyle Pitts. Matt really wanted us just to say no tight ends and then come in and just say Kyle Pitts is a demigod. But um, no tight ends outside of Kyle Pitts. Uh, no safety. So Trevin Morig, Mayrig, whatever is, however you pronounce Mo-rig. it. We'll learn that in the next couple. Morig, there you go. Uh, and then no interior defensive lineman. Christian Barmore is supposedly a top 15 prospect right now, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. He's like the best case scenario player right now to go in the first round along the interior. And outside of that, there's really not a ton of people that make a ton of sense in that regard. So, um, you know, those are two guys, or that's a guy there that you've got to kind of look at. If he doesn't go, that could really be bad for the Chiefs. So there's a bunch of players that didn't go off the board. Here's the players that did in this doomsday scenario. Tackles flying off the board. Tevin Jenkins. Congratulations, Tevin Tevin Jenkins. Top 15. Walker Little sneaks in there right before you do. You're, You're set up there to draft. Sam Cosme. Maybe a guard in Andy's eyes anyway. Don't know. He's off the board too. The pass rushers. Jason Noah. Quiddy Pay. Jalen Phillips. Gone. Bye-bye. You try to trade back and you can't. Can you think of a worse scenario, Matthew? I mean, right now, it's looking pretty bleak. I think it gets even worse if we're going to take this doomsday scenario and just go ahead and assume the top four wide receivers off the board. Boom, 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 boom. That would be Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, uh, Rashad Bateman. Not exactly in that order, but those guys all off the board. I think if you're the Chiefs and you're sitting here like this, the immediate thing that jumps in my head as a fan is, okay, maybe there's a cornerback that fell down this draft. Nope, wrong. J.C. Horn, Patrick <laughs> Sertan, Craig Newsome, and Caleb Farley all off the board. And yes, we've done the math. This is very possible that all of these players that we're talking about right now are off the board, and you still got a few picks to spare, really. And so you're sitting here now. Yeah, we did the we did the math on all this beforehand. Like we didn't just like we don't have 38 people going in the first round before. Yeah, the I think our final tally was 28, 29 maybe. So you were you had a couple picks to spare here just in case the math was off. So I mean, this is a possible. Well, to to be fair, that was Maddie counting. So it could be it actually could no, be. I, yeah, I I literally only have 20 phalanges. Once we get past that, I'm really just guessing. So. <laughs> You're sitting here. You're in a bad spot. You are forced to take one of these, look at one of these positions that didn't have a player go already. No running backs, you know, tight ends, safeties, even an interior defensive lineman. Like those are going to be probably your most talentful positions left because no one's been taken. But the Chiefs don't really need to spend a super early pick, especially a first round pick on any of those. You can't trade back. So now you're kind of stuck. Do you reach? Do you just take the best player that's left? I don't know, Craig. You tell me. I, I mean, this sucks. <laughs> this, this sucks to be in this spot. And it's, this is why we do this. Right, exactly. And that's why I like performing this exercise. Because it. I think when we get a, sent a lot of mock drafts, we see a lot of very unrealistic picks. 
Like we see guys that are probably like early day two picks going in middle of day three. And you see things sort out at the end of the first round that are very favorable for the Chiefs. Yes, Kent. My favorite thing is when people send me a screenshot and it's like Jalen Phillips falling to 94 because the algorithm on the on the mock draft simulator they did, you know, it is broke. just way off. Yeah. And someone's just like, the Chiefs should hire me. LOL. And I'm just like, well, that, that's a that's a machine. And it, it, there's there's just no way that's happening. Listen, if the NFL wants to break that way, I'm more than happy to take Jalen Phillips in round three. But sign me up. Yeah. But that's we typically see the rosiest possible options when people send those things. So, like, this is a very feasible sort of thing. Is it is it highly likely? No. But there is, like Kent said, a non-zero chance that something like this happens. And if something like this happens, the Chiefs are going to be stuck in a situation here where there's a whole bunch of positions with not great positional value. And then the stuff that they need they're really digging deep into the depth of the class, and that is going to be a little bit difficult to swallow. This is unrealistic, but it's the pendulum swing opposite of what we normally see from an unrealistic perspective. And it's an interesting exercise, and it's a fun exercise to try to just put, put pressure on yourself, challenge yourself a little bit when you're trying to build these drafts. Um, one of the things I really like is just try to see the most un or most realistic draft. Like that's the stuff I appreciate when it's like the most realistic you could come up with. Uh, this is unrealistic for the negative perceptions and the negative realities and what would terrify us. So we're kind of looking here at the board and the pool of players that we're kind of considering in this scenario. You've got you could reach for a tackle, and there's a couple guys with some quality arm length. We're, we're kind of operating under the assumption right now that Andy Reid prefers arm length with his tackles. You got Stone Forsythe, the tackle out of Florida, who's 23. He's, he's going to be 24 in his rookie year, by the way. Uh, you've got Spencer Brown, freak athlete, played on the right side. Um, you know, he's not really necessarily a left tackle, but the athletic profile's there. That's a guy I, I'm, I'm kind of scared that the Chiefs might ultimately take in the first round. Like, I could see it happening at 31. My nightmare. And it doesn't even need to be the scenario that presents itself either. Like, I legit think, like, the Chiefs could just try to say, okay, look, Spencer Brown's a freak athlete. Uh, we really like his profile. His best football's ahead of him. We're taking him at 31. We're going to develop on the left side. Like, I don't even think a doomsday scenario needs to happen for them to take him. Um, edges. Gregory Russo. Aziz Ojolari. There's one cornerback available, Eric Stokes, and the linebackers. So that's kind of the pool of players that we kind of have here outside of Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is obviously off the board. Maddie, please announce the 31st pick in the Doomsday scenario. With the 31st pick in the Doomsday 2021 Kansas City Chiefs mock draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select. Collins, Zavin, out of Tulsa to play defense because I'm not exactly sure where you're going to play him. I don't think he fits the typical mold of a Steve Spagnuolo off-ball linebacker. He kind of fits the mold of a defensive end as an edge prospect. I just don't think he plays with that kind of physicality. So I do think his best fits off-ball. You draft him at the end of the first round and you pair him with Anthony Hitchens and Willie Gay and try to shore up what was one of the biggest weaknesses Craig, 
Yeah, definitely one of the biggest weaknesses. And you get much more athletic at that position. Like, I can see the Chiefs talking themselves into that, especially with the way that they group players together. Zayvon Collins is probably going to be in a decently high tier for them. Now, here's the issue. Zayvon Collins does not attempt to stack blockers. Zayvon Collins, we watched him kind of get trucked by a freshman 185-pound running back against UCF. Just doesn't play with the kind of physicality and the downhill mentality that Steve Spagnuolo wants out of his off-ball linebackers. Now, can they get that out of him? He's a 260-pound player that moves really well and is a great coverage linebacker. I mean, that all sounds great, but Steve Spagnuolo wants his linebackers to be run stuffers. Like, he doesn't really care about coverage linebackers. Like, look at the guys that he's trotted out there. He hasn't. So this is this is a difficult pick from that perspective, from a fit perspective for me and Steve Spagnuolo. But I think in this scenario, we're trying to present for the Chiefs. <laughs> like, presented as this is a realistic scenario that the Chiefs could potentially do. Correct. So so I think, you know, I I think we should all try to sell the pick a little bit almost. So, so I think so from – it's okay. It's – Look, guys. Yes, I have a prior. We've prioritized stopping the run. The game's changing. You've kind of seen me start to bend my, you know, bend my will a little bit. I, I don't necessarily have the same thresholds at defensive end all the time with Steve. You know, with Mike Dana, I'm kind of bending the rules a little bit here. Yes, saving Collins maybe doesn't stop the run at the same level, but I think there are some things I can teach with him with his length, with his hand tech that can make him a better football player in that regard. But flat out, he's the best coverage linebacker, I think, in this entire draft class. I'm sold on that ability. I've seen what a good coverage linebacker can do the last two Super Bowls. Guys with range and athleticism. I want to try to identify that guy in the middle of this defense. That's somebody I need. That's somebody, it's a versatile chess piece who potentially could be a coverage player too like I think those are the things you've got to sell or that the, those are the those are that's kind of how the Chiefs might sell it but, but don't don't get me wrong they're gonna have to sell it on on <laughs> on draft day if that's the scenario but did I lay it out decently Craig yeah you laid it out decently I mean I think you can sell him as a hundred percent snap guy like, I think you he's playing in the base as your will linebacker. I think that he can line up in the nickel, which probably means that Willie Gay Jr. would not line up in the nickel. And you would obviously want him to be your dime linebacker because he does all the things that Ben Neiman does like four times as well in coverage. And the Chiefs play a lot of dime. So, I mean, you can justify this pick because of his coverage ability. It is great and he is going to make an impact in the passing game which this defense should predominantly see if the offense is clicking all of that makes sense like you can completely justify adding a player like that because he's 260 pounds like you get any more physicality out of him he becomes a potentially elite linebacker it is a swing but it is a swing that is the opposite of what we typically see from Spagnolo that could still be a really good 100% snap guy for him. I mean, yeah, you don't get anybody to protect your franchise. You don't get anybody for your franchise to throw to besides Tyreek Hill. And you don't get somebody to pressure the other team's franchise, but you do get a great athlete. It's probably the most versatile defender in this entire draft. I would be willing to go to bat that David Collins provides more versatility than 
you know, Jock does than any other player in this draft class. I really would. So you do get that. You put that on a defense that does like to play multiple styles of covers. It does like to mix things up. I do think that he would actually fit really well. And if it wasn't for the fact that the Chiefs just spent a second round pick on another linebacker last year, this pick probably wouldn't find its way into my doomsday scenario because I do think he's a quality player. I don't like how soft he is. I don't like how he does not like contact. But I can get over that because he's 260 pounds. If I can just teach him to hit somebody at full speed, not even hit him, run into them at full speed, things will happen. So I think as a player, as a prospect, it's good. It's just the fit for the Chiefs I don't love. But when you're looking at the draft board that we presented in this scenario, you're either reaching for a tackle, you're taking a Eric Stokes or Ifitu Melanfonwu at cornerback Gregory Rousseau. Like I don't think any of those guys compare to Zayvon Collins' overall talent. So I would fully get the best player available approach here. And uh, yeah, the Chiefs didn't protect their quarterback with the first pick in their draft. But we we have a scenario here where they still are able to do that. We're going to take a break. We're going to do rounds two through four of our Doomsday Mock Draft right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we are running through our Doomsday Draft scenario. And we just got done taking Zaven Collins with the 31st pick in the draft. And I think it's important. We're going to list some names off here. And I hope it doesn't come off that we hate all these players. Because this happens a lot. I don't necessarily hate all these players. I hate where they're taken very often. And I also think you have to look at the entirety of a board and entirety of a draft to kind of, you know, you might understand some picks that you don't love. You may not love the value entirely when you get the full picture of the entire draft. So there's a lot of context and nuance to, you know, some of these decisions and stuff. So it may not be that I hate the next player. I may not hate the next player we're about to talk about. Maybe I just don't like him with relative to the rest of what the Chiefs drafted. So I, I, just, I don't think we hate these players. I just want to, it's just the value. It's just where you value them, where we value them. It's just that. It's just, and it's the whole picture. I just wanted to get that off the board because I don't want people to think we hate these guys because we don't hate Zayvon Collins. We just value him differently. We still think he's a good football player. All right. So pick 31. It's gone. They Chiefs go linebacker and their tackles were flying off the board. Stone Forsyth comes off the board 
in the mid forties and Brett Veach is getting a little antsy and in Brett Veach fashion, he decides to get aggressive to identify and secure his tackle. So he calls up the Miami dolphins at pick 50 and he offers the 63rd pick and the 94th pick in the draft, which is a little bit higher value than what the 50th pick is actually worth. But that's okay because he's going to get Spencer Brown, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. He is a massive human being, uh, and he tested through the roof. His his pro day really helped himself out immensely. He's one of the best testing tackles in this entire draft class. But part of the reason that this team or that that this team is you know, in the position that they are is because they hold some really strict thresholds at the tackle position. And the reason that the Chiefs went and traded up for Spencer Brown is he's one of the last long-arm tackles in this class. He's actually slightly under the average tackle that Andy Reid takes from an arm-length perspective. He's at 34 inches. Uh, Andy Reid likes him a little bit longer typically, but there's just not a ton of long-arm tackles this year. It's the year of the OT-Rex. And Spencer Brown is one of the last long-arm tackles that fits the value around this range. So the Chiefs, after grabbing Zayvon Collins at pick 31, they trade up aggressively to acquire Spencer Brown. Uh, the tackle out of Northern Iowa had a good Senior Bowl performance uh, or showed some promise and growth over the week at the Senior Bowl, Craig. Yeah, which is what you want out of a smaller school guy when they come out there against guys that have been playing against better tackles for most of their collegiate careers. You want to see a guy that grows from day one to day three, and Spencer Brown did. He is a ridiculously long athlete, and that matters to Andy Reid. The, the issue is going to be a little bit is trusting him to come out there and play left tackle right away. I love Spencer Brown as a year two project. I don't love Spencer Brown as a year one project, which is what we're taking him here. Now, could Spencer Brown turn that around quickly? Yes, absolutely. He can learn quick. This is going to be the best coaching that he's probably ever received. And that's not a disrespect to you and I. That's just, you know, smaller school translating to the pros. If he can pick things up quickly, Spencer Brown could be a very high-end tackle because of that athleticism, because of that length. And he's going to be able to drop deeper in sets to protect Patrick Mahomes. All of that makes sense. It is not a hard sell for the Chiefs to go and get Spencer Brown because he makes so much sense. Just from a day one perspective, there's a lot of questions. But if they vet him and believe that he can turn that on, learn what he needs to do, step in against way better athletes than he has seen regularly, basically make that day three jump that he made at the Senior Bowl immediately coming into the league, he makes a lot of sense from what Andy Reid wants. Well, I know we're supposed to be selling it. I'm going to play the other side of the coin here because you guys, I think, did a pretty good job talking about why <clears throat> Excuse me, the pick would make sense. Craig, what position did Lucas Niang play all through college? Oh, he played right tackle. Uh, Kit, what position did the Chiefs want to play Mike Rimmers at, according to his agent? Allegedly right tackle. Okay, does anybody want to jump in and tell me what's the only tackle position that Spencer Brown played with it in college? Ooh, ooh, we know, I know, we I know. know, I know, I know. First one wins the second place in the gauntlet. Oh, red tackle. Ah, uh, yes. you are I, number two. I love a good silver medal. So yeah, that's a <laughs> lot of right tackles, but okay. 
you're going to draft him. Maybe you can, can, you know, teach him or Lucas Niang to move to the left side. It's possible guys do move sides. It's not as easy as snapping your fingers with your left hand and your right hand, like some people think, but you can move sides. The problem with that is Spencer Brown, 23-year-old rookie, still developing. You're not getting a guy ready in year one. You're going to bring in a guy that was still learning to play right tackle, and it's still learning to play right tackle. You're then going to move him to the left side, or are you just going to move Lucas Niang from the only position he's played against, you know, even not even NFL competition, but close to? It's just I don't know about trading up to draft a guy that needs work to not only play in the NFL, but then also make him switch positions. However, when we're looking at this draft, the Chiefs have no left tackle. They got to find somebody. They have to field a player. Players do, in fact, have to play all five offensive line positions. If you want to win, go get the best athlete, the guy that has the highest ceiling that's left, and hope it works out. Yeah, um, uh, you are basically having Russell Okung on the phone immediately <laughs> when you're making this pick. But let me let me ask let me ask you guys both this: If they take Spencer Brown as a project tackle, like around this range, and they have a left tackle that they like, then how do you feel about it? If Russell Okung is in house, basically, how do you feel about Spencer Brown at this at this point? He better be ready week six when Russell Okung gets hurt. I am not a big believer in developmental fifth-year seniors. I mean, that's, that's fair. fair. That's I fair. Just, I will say this, and like, so the talent, the rare ability, the athleticism, like that's it's not it's undeniable. Like, there's very obviously traits there. Are the Chiefs and are the, is the NFL more privy to? the mental capacity of this player are they more privy to the why and 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 why he's developed to this point where he has do they believe that they can unlock things out of him i'm not saying this as a i believe this this is you know i'm just saying it as a this is how i believe when we look at some of the discrepancies between people on the outside versus people on the inside i think these are this is a this is a prime guy that Spencer Brown could go top 50 because of the rare physical profile. They believe in the player, the personality, you know, the love of football, the mental capacity to grow and develop quickly. Some of those things we're not privy to on the outside. And I think those are the things, and those are why guys like Spencer Brown wind up going earlier than we would prefer. If you were going to make a checklist of offensive tackle traits that somebody has that succeeds in the NFL, that teams follow, Spencer Brown would hit every single check mark you come up with. 10-yard split short shuttle, arm length, whatever you want to do. He's hitting these benchmarks that teams are rumored to like, that you hear that teams like. It's just he has, it's still in the process of putting all of these traits to use in form of skills on the football field. And I think the teams that have heavy coach influence in the draft process, hello, Kansas City. I think teams with a confidence um, in their coaching staff to develop and get the most out of players, Hello, Kansas City. Those are the teams that might value a Spencer Brown more than you and me. I agree. I don't I don't have the same level of confidence that he's going to reach his ceiling. I still think there's some natural leverage issues that he has and that he's always going to have, and it's going to be difficult for him to try to navigate, which could really just limit his ceiling altogether. But that doesn't but mean that's that also an Andy Reid tackle. Exactly. <laughs> That's is why this whole thing gets frust- you know, fascinating. Spencer Brown, he he could be the doomsday thirty one for me, but I would also acknowledge that it could work out. I just don't have like, I just 
A lot of, a lot of confidence in your coaching staff there. That's all. All right. So the Chiefs traded pick 94 uh, to secure a tackle in this draft. Spencer Brown. And so they aren't picking until day three. Uh, and we're going to do two fourth-round picks for them because we can't just leave it at two picks. That's just not fair. So they need an edge. <laughs> and they go with Joshua Kando out of Florida State. And I guess, like, here's the thing. Joshua Kando at 136. Sure, I guess. Like, I get why some teams might value him there. Joshua Kando after Zavin Collins and Spencer Brown. The like again, the big picture of this draft. As you start seeing the full picture, it I, Joshua Kando just looks a lot worse. Yeah, uh, Kando is a high fit guy for Steve Spagnuolo. Crazy long arms, got the density, got the length, got the you know the things that you would expect out of a Spagnuolo edge. And here's the thing: when you're in day three. You're starting to look at things that can define players and separate them from other guys that are of that same ilk and that same type. Joshua Kando was a ridiculously high recruited high school player. And he went to Florida State, and we have talked about it multiple times on this podcast. Florida State doesn't always get the most out of their players. So you are gambling on an athletic profile that is good a guy that's a little bit more explosive than your typical Spags type, the length, the power, the types of things that you would all expect, and you are trying to basically hit the reset button on a lot of the stuff that he learned at Florida State and maximize him as a player. We've seen Brendan Daly get guys on the field quickly of varying types of players. We've seen him get the most out of a couple of young defensive linemen over the past couple of years. We've seen him be able to produce with those types of guys. Now you're giving him basically a raw ball of clay that fits a lot of these checklist marks for Steve Spagnuolo and gives you a little bit of athleticism. He doesn't know what he needs to do yet, and he needs to add some strength. He needs to add some anchor, but a lot of that is stuff that can be taught. So what you're doing here is you're basically gambling on what Joshua Kando can be, not what he was, but what he can be based on the things that he came out of high school and showed very early on at Florida State. So this this is a complete gamble pick, but a crazy high upside one if it works out. You're coming in, you're drafting the anti-Mike Dana. You're coming in, you're drafting a big, long, explosive pass rusher that needs a lot of help with his hand use, that needs a lot of help with his pass rush plan and his ability to counter. He is a guy that you are probably, especially early in his career, really only going to play on pass rushing downs. Don't want him on the field versus the run. But like your hope is that you pair him with Mike Dana and you kind of have this competent-ish player on all the downs. Now, I don't know if Kando's ready to step in on day one and play. Like, even as a pass rusher, he's just an athlete. His pacing up the arc isn't good. Yeah, he has an idea of how to perform a pass rush move, but he doesn't know how to do it reactive to the blocker across from him. Like, there's a lot of coaching to be done, but you are getting a guy that's 260 pounds, over six foot five, explosive as all get out with relatively good bend for that size. Like you're getting an athlete, a former five-star guy that you're hoping that Florida state just failed miserably and you could turn him into a player in the league. 
I mean, there's a theme here with all these players that, you know, kind of our worst case scenario is just, you know, look at all these traits and our coaching staff's going to coach them up. I mean, that is very, very much what we have going on to this point in these first three picks. There's just a lot of physical traits here. So yeah, we've bet on a lot of athletic testing here to this point. <laughs> that doesn't apply to our fourth, our second fourth round pick. Let's play it safe now, guys. <laughs> Let's get that single. Uh, <laughs> let's hit it. You know, there's a lot of swings here. There's a lot of confidence in the coaching staff to just develop some raw traits. And now we're going with a wide receiver and an X-type wide receiver. But is he? But is he? With the, with the 144th pick in the 2021 NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Sage Surratt, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Well, guys, we were sitting there and we were watching all of our tape from last camp. And we were trying to figure out how can we get better at Jody Fortson's position? <laughs> and we decided on Sage Surratt. Realistic. What's the work? Hey, was the hype video not doing it for you? I mean, listen, I'll put it this way. If Sage Surratt released a hype video, his feet would at least move off the field when he was making stuff happen. You know, they would oh. be glued to the ground. Sage Surratt does have good feet, especially for a, you know, 209, six foot three wide receiver that wins at the catch point and plays great with his body position. He's a big, strong X wide receiver that's going to work well as a possession guy if he's given the opportunity. It's just really hard to get your foot going in the NFL. It's to find your feet in the NFL, to get your footing. That's what I was trying to get to. That was a long process, kind of like Sage Surratt running the 40 time. hey <laughs> But if he ever gets his roll down, if he gets in there and he's able to work as a possession receiver, it makes a lot of sense. He's really, you can tell he has a basketball background. He boxes guys out really well. I do think he has pretty good footwork. There's just a complete lack of explosiveness, a complete lack of speed. He's one of these guys that might end up going the Darren Waller route where he has to transition to tight end eventually and just be a move tight end. But, you know, the Chiefs need size at wide receiver. They need a red zone threat. Surratt could be that guy. I'm not trying to get any more jokes off about Sage Surratt, but the difference, Darren Waller was a good athlete coming out as a wide receiver. And Sage athlete is a bad athlete coming out as a wide receiver. So it's like... Oh, but- uh, but but hang on here. You you say that, but I mean, if you transitioned his you know his athletic testing over to tight end, he'd actually have a good forty time. But would he thirty pounds heavier? Yeah, I, that's the question. I, I I mean, his feet are light. I, that's definitely the case. Feet but are, are light. They? Yeah, they are a little bit. Yeah. So, and I I actually feel pretty good about his hands. Like I, I mean, I like a lot of the stuff with him. It's just he's. He's very slow. He's very stiff, but he could do some stuff underneath. The Chiefs have dynamic athletes. That's not the problem here. Yes, we know that Andy Reid wants to go get some guys that can run a little bit faster and a little more explosive than a guy like Sage Surratt, but he also makes a lot of sense if you're matching him up against the team's number two corner without any safety help. There's not very many you know, cornerbacks that are going to be able to guard up against him if he's posting up on a curl. Like, he's going to be able to just basically throw his body into the dude, stack him at the catch point, be able to extend those long arms and pluck the ball out of the air. There is a usage for that within the Chief system. We've talked about it a lot, and he makes some sense as a red zone guy as well. But 
it isn't a high upside pick. This is more of a specific role kind of pick, but even with that, I, I think that there is a path to success within this offense playing off of the other dynamic options that the Chiefs have. I think there's just a lot of quality day three wide receivers, and going this route would be disappointing. Sage Surratt is fascinating. It's, I think just I think I think receivers that win above the rim, that win at the catch point, that you know kind of you know win outside the numbers as a as an X type receiver, you know. It's, it's fascinating to evaluate them and try to understand and identify how they win and if they're going to be able to translate it. Because a lot of these jump ball guys, some of these guys that win at the catch point that maybe aren't creating the same amount of separation. Granted, num- you know, routes outside the numbers are hard to create separation. Um, it's harder to create separation outside the numbers on a lot of the vertical plane you know, routes. But man, I just I don't see a guy that's consistently gonna be able to separate and that you know, even though he was able to make some really strong contested catches, you know, winning at the catch point a little bit at the senior bowl, I don't have a ton of level of confidence because I don't think he's an explosive enough athlete. Uh so it's gonna be a fascinating career arc for him, how he develops. I think this is early. But I think the sell is you're fi- there's the you know, getting that X, you know, win at the catch point, you know, X type receiver, that guy can play physical through contact. And this is a guy that can do it. Just maybe just can't do it the same level or with the same kind of upside as other guys can. All right. Well, that's our doomsday draft. We'll just run it down here real quick for you. Zayvon Collins at 31, the linebacker out of Tulsa, a trade up Spencer Brown at 50 in a trade up, giving up 63 and 94 to grab the Northern Iowa tackle. Waiting until day three to pick Joshua Kando, the edge out of Florida State at 136, and Sage Surratt, the wide receiver out of uh, Wake Forest at pick 144. That is going to do it for the AP Laboratory Doomsday Edition. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll be back with some optimism next week. Catch you later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.